with the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. Matthew 6.34 says, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the Word of God. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics while taking the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. My name is Curtis Evelo and I'm joined by Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Well, hello everyone. We've been praying for you. Uh, praying for everybody down south and hopefully that uh, they've actually thought out and, and are getting through some of the some of the rebuilding and refixing stuff that's down there going on it's uh it's been quite a journey for them down there so hey listeners uh would you please leave a review on any podcast app that you guys uh, are listening to this on go to your podcast app and go ahead and leave a leave a review and and a rating in review because what that does is how how this works how the podcasting works is by reviews and by ratings that gets us up in the scale of, of podcasts and allows us to be heard by more people and it gets more people listening in uh, to, to where we're at. So uh, I'd appreciate it. If you guys could do that, that'd be great and get more people listening in on the, on the Bellator Christie. Well, let's go. Yeah, let's get this rolling today. Uh, we got a big one. So let's welcome on Brian Chilton. Hello, Brian. Hey, Curtis. Hope you're doing well. Doing great. Yep. So today we're we're uh, we're going Sermon on the Mount, the part four, um, and and this is in the Matthew six, and Matthew six is uh, uh, it gets it gets even more uh, interesting here <laughs> as we get into this. So yeah, there are um, a lot so. of different challenges that uh, Jesus provides for Christians of all all walks but you know there's mm-hmm. there's some things i i think we see that uh that even challenges that greatly challenges modern day christianity i think in in various oh, sure. different ways yeah 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 and there's uh there's there's just a bunch of um there's a bunch of information in this one that i think truly this podcast truly probably could be broke into four or five different podcasts in itself, just just separating out. So, really, we're not going to be able to get into the full depth of, of what each one of these topics are, but we can go through and we can actually get um, get a pretty good good feel for them and actually have a good discussion on it. So, why don't we go ahead and jump right in? So, uh, it's uh, part four: uh, genuine righteousness, uh, Matthew six uh, one through thirty three. Um, let's go ahead and start out with Matthew 6, uh, 1 through 4. Okay, so the first section uh, here reads, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, 
Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will will reward you. Mm -hmm. Right, so why in this does Jesus emphasize the doing good deeds uh, in the secret rather than publicizing them? And what does this say about many modern church practices? Well, Jesus is bringing up this, this, you know, I never even really noticed how deeply theological this teaching is until we really started going through this. Jesus is, is showing, and I think he's even going to say this later in the passage of Scripture, that a person cannot serve both God and the world. It's either one or the other. And Jesus is telling us here that if we really trust God to reward us, then our meaning, the, the psychologist calls it the locus of meaning. It means that area where we find meaning. It's not found in the applause of people. It's not found in the well wishes of others, but rather it's found solely in God. And I believe, quite honestly, that a lot of times, and we're going to see this even in verse 3, a lot of times I believe that we as Christians have, and especially us pastors as well, we, we've made it a practice that whenever we do something good for a, a, a person uh, or for the community, we and I'm guilty of this just as much as anyone else, we post it in the newspapers, we, we broadcast it on YouTube, we, we tell everyone about it, we broadcast it around, you know, wherever we can. We did this good deed and we say, now look at us, look what we did to, to pat ourselves on the back. Well, Jesus mm-hmm. is challenging that. He says, don't sound a trumpet, as, as many have done in the synagogues, t- you know, broadcasting what you've done. Do it in secret. Do it. Do it trusting that God is going to give you a reward in the end. So when we do righteous deeds, it's not to receive something from another another person. It should be done to honor God the Father and trusting that He's going to give the reward in the end. Hmm. Challenging. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, you. But what about like, for example? when the church organizes a street cleanup day what what is i mean is that is that something that this is going you know towards or is it or is it when you know like uh for example here's another one where the church is uh, calling in volunteers from the from its body to go uh go work at the soup kitchen or what have you you know what, yeah, I, I think where that would be, that balance in? Yeah, I think that would be something different. I think because in that instance, you're calling together people, you're, call, you're rallying the troops together to do the good deed because we realize mm-hmm. that there are several deeds out there that's bigger, that's larger than us, that's going to require help from, from, from different people. And I think that's what Paul even tells us about in 1 Corinthians, that uh, we do best when we come together as one, uh, all using our talents for the glory of God. So I think that's mm-hmm. different. I think that is uh, what what that is essentially doing is bringing people together for a common cause, bringing individuals to um, to come together to, so that the project can be accomplished. 
And you know, and I do believe that if you know, if someone in 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 the society sees this and wants to compliment you, there's nothing wrong with that. We all need a good pat on the back. No, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, no. and there's nothing wrong with a church going good on up and it's thanking someone for their service, uh, thanking someone for doing something good. There's nothing wrong with that at all. We should do that, and I think that's encouraged. Right. I think the focus, what Jesus is talking about here, is to do the good deed with the anticipation that people are going to praise you for doing the deed rather than giving praise to God. It's it's more about being God-centered rather than being centered on the self. And I really think that's the thrust right. of meeting that Jesus is, is, is giving. Because quite honestly, a lot of us, right. you know, I, I think a lot of uh, people, religious people, quote-unquote, not just Christians, religious people, will often do good deeds so that other people will see them as good people, good good individuals, and Jesus is calling us mm-hmm. against doing that, um, right. because really, if we understand who we are in God, we realize that we're all sinners in need of salvation. Right. right. And I mean, I this is going to probably ruin all of the rest of this question here, but <laughs> I think I think I think what's really happening here is the same thing that Jesus was talking about in the last ones. This one here is pride, and where pride yep. is in your heart, and where you're wearing that is it? What is your reason for doing it? Is it because of a prideful heart that you want people to see you as a caring, loving? Christian, or are are you doing it out of a good, wholesome heart? So I like your answer. I like how you gave that first one. That was, I think, that was spot on. I appreciate that, and I honestly do believe that, that you hit the nail on the head. It's, it becomes an issue of pride. The, the The question at the end of the day is, who is it that a person is seeking to get praise? Is a person doing the good deed to give themselves praise or to get praise for themselves? from others, or is the person doing the good deed to give God the praise? That's the key critical mm-hmm. question. Yeah, yeah. So if we rally the troops and we call in other church members to go help at the soup kitchen, it's out of a giving heart or a loving heart that the church was organizing that. Now, it's up to each individual that's working that, working in that, you know, helping out in that specific uh, uh, arena that, then it's up to them to not be prideful in their own heart in right. doing so. And, you know, in yeah. certain things like that, you bring up a good point there, Curtis. In certain things, it's going to require advertising. So if you have a soup kitchen, you're going to have to advertise that so that the people in need know about the soup kitchen so that they can come there to get it. Or if you're if you're right. organizing a Christian business and raising funds, for for whatever calls you're going to have to advertise that so that people know about the thing to support. Right. Uh, so right. I, I don't. I think we have to be cautious not to. And I, th- I think you bring up a great balance that we need to uh, understand that there are times where we have to advertise and promote certain events and certain things so that the good deed can be done. But at the end of the day, the question is, what's the motivation? What's the intent behind what we're mm-hmm. doing? Right. So what does Jesus mean by don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing? Generally speaking, people used the, the right hand 
people were people were generally speaking. There's a lot of left-handed people out there, but generally speaking, more people are right-handed than they are left-handed. And so normally, the normally for right-handed people, the right hand is the stronger hand. So the right hand would be involved in the heavy work and the heavy actions. So the left hand may be doing other things. What he's saying is, don't let don't let uh, others know or broadcast. Uh, don't let others know all the things that you're doing. Uh, don't sound the trumpet, as he says before. Uh, don't act in a hypocritical fashion. And the word uh, Hippocrates originally referred to actors who performed in Greek and Roman theaters. So in other words, what he means by this is don't play a Christian, be a Christian. Don't play like you're right. giving praise to God. There you go. Actually give praise where it's due. Yeah. What's the harm in that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, before we move on, and I know I'm going to butcher this, but there was a guy that I know, um, I heard a story about, and he was over in Britain or England, and he was part of a big college over there, and this was years ago, the turn of the century. Um, and he would, uh, he, he had just, they asked him what he was doing with his money. And he just said, well, I don't, it's none of your business. I don't, I'm not doing anything with it, but he would, he would save money and he would, um, randomly go, uh, randomly go and, and pay for people's college or pay for people's, um, uh, just pay for their houses or pay for whatever needs they needed at that time. And nobody knew who it was until he had died. Then they tracked it and found out that he had wrote down what was, what was going on in the prayers that were prayed by him paying those things or doing those things. And I think that's really kind of, kind of eats at the heart of this. I think mm -hmm. that's probably the scripture he was living off of. I think absolutely. You I think you're absolutely right. Um, because when a person does good deeds like that, they realize that God is the one. It's just as he says in verse 4, the Father who sees in secret will reward you. He realized mm -hmm. that God the Father would reward him in due time and mm -hmm. did so in such a way that God would receive the glory. So what is the theological point behind Jesus emphasizing on secret giving then? Ultimately, it's uh, just kind of a recap of what we've been talking about. He's ultimately it's saying that right. we need to live our lives to give God the praise and, and not do good deeds to simply just be seen as good people. And I really believe a lot of times, I mean, we, we can work ourselves into a frenzy. We can work ourselves to death. Um, a lot of times even... You know, there are a lot of these things that happen in churches sometimes where good deeds are done, but the gospel's never shared. Yeah. You know, that's a problem. You know, if we are, if we yeah. are, we're just giving charity, which is, which isn't to say that God's not going to reward that. I'm not saying that. But if we're wanting to bring people to Christ, why not share the gospel message while doing these good deeds uh, so, right. that, so that God yeah. does get the glory from it all? Right. So, you said that the, the, the quick quick answer, the, just to recap, the, the theological focus is to give God the praise instead of giving yourself the praise. There you go. So, number two is Matthew 6, 5 through 15. 
Okay, so this one's a, the longer one. Says when this is about prayer. Whenever you pray, you must not be like this, the hypocrites. And again, here remember the word hypocrites, an actor, uh, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask them. There's a lot of theology in verse 8. Therefore, in verse 9, you should pray like this, Our Father... In heaven, I'm going to say this the classical version. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses even as we have forgiven those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now going back to the CSB version. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your offenses. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Absolutely. I remember when I was in, in Catholic school when I was young little wee lad, and, and uh, <laughs> that was... One of the first, uh, one of the first scriptures that we memorized was the "quote unquote" Lord's Prayer. Um, There's a lot you of know, power. They did... Go ahead, oh, sorry. man. Yeah, and I still pray it. Still pray it today, um, every day. You know, I mean, I, I pray it sometimes as even in, in my own self in my own prayer time. I'll I'll pray it as as kind of just even a starter to yeah. just stop and ponder and i pause at each each separation i'll pause at it and i'll let that soak in and just soak in my mind for a minute and try to really understand what's being said there i try to rush through the part where it says forgive my trespasses as i forgive those who trespass against me i tend to pass through that one pretty quick (laughs) as most of us do <laughs> there is so, power in that prayer. I want to tell you oh, that I have uh, seen people who have been very, very sick. Uh, I have even seen a case once before where a person was was very sick and and couldn't speak a word. But when 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 this prayer was prayed, whenever whenever I whenever I prayed this prayer, when this prayer prayer was prayed, whenever it was read or read or however it was done, you could see the person mouth the words to. Mm. To the prayer. I mean, there's a lot of power in this prayer. Yeah. And I think yeah. Martin Luther did the same thing you did too, by the way, so I don't forget. Uh, sometimes I have to spit <laughs> these things out so I don't forget about them later. <laughs> well, yeah, that's always good to, it's always good to find. And that's, you know, I know some people when they start, um, when they pray, sometimes they, they go into Psalms and they just start, um, singing psalms or praying the psalms and and then uh, once they do that then it's kind of like you're they've already got a connection and going you know so there's not a thing wrong with that i i have personally prayed um the lord's prayer many times and you know i've even prayed some of the psalms too i think there's a lot of power in praying the scriptures Hmm. yeah and i think it also helps when uh when your prayer life and your just your spiritual walk is dry Absolutely. just to 
I guess when you start wanting to come out of it, let it be dry for a while. But once you, once you start wanting to come out of it, then start finding tools to get you back out of it. Absolutely. So what is a private prayer room and why does Jesus, why does Jesus again emphasize humility in one's prayer life? So let me take the second one first. Here again, this this keeps with the theme. We see we should see an ongoing theme that Jesus is providing us here. That we can't live our lives for humanity and for God. We can't live for the world and for God at the same time, because our heart is mm-hmm. going to be focused on one or the other. So. Here he's ta- telling us that even in our prayers, let's not be try to be seen as a super religious person. Again, remember the word Hippocrates here. The word hypocrite. I, I'm, I don't know what the Aramaic version or Hebrew version of that, but uh, word is. I'd be interested to see what that might be. But the Greek word is Hippocrates, uh, an actor, someone who's putting. They what they would do is put on these masks to pretend to be someone else. And so he's saying, don't use these long, elaborate prayers to be seen as a super holy spiritual person in public. But rather, the better thing is to go and find your own private prayer room. This private prayer room could be a closet. It could be a bedroom. It could be a library. It could be uh, it could be uh, a bathroom if you need to be. Uh, or it could even be a spot out in, in the woods if you need it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe like an old stump. You know, sit out there in an old stump. Maybe that's your prayer closet. It could be driving down the well, maybe not driving down the road, but it could be. <laughs> well, you could be. No, you know, I you do could, it. You, you, you no, could I do be, it. You, you could be praying in a car or a truck or, you know, going down the mm-hmm. road. I mean, you can talk to God just as we're talking to one another. Um, you know, it could be. Uh, I usually say that because people think they have to close their eyes to pray. And so that's why I said you might want to park <laughs> if you do it that way. <laughs> Yeah, don't want to close your eyes when you're driving. Folks. Yeah, that that would be bad. <laughs> don't want to be sued by someone says, "Well, you know, that, that Brian on that Bellator Christie podcast, he told me to pray with my eyes closed while I'm driving." No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, leave me out of it, folks. Yeah, same here. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does it mean to babble like Gentiles? So this is an interesting term. Uh, so some of the languages uh, that, uh, uh, like barbarians, the the word barbarian is is a word that uh, it repeats itself. Barbar. It's kind of the way some of the uh, Gentile languages sounded. Um, it was kind of gibberish. Uh, th- there's a familiar term used in uh, the Jewish culture, abracadabra. We've probably heard that. It was believed to have been a uh, formula. Uh, is a nonsensical, a nonsensical combination of sounds that were believed to have special power. Uh, so he's saying, don't don't think that you can babble on these special formulas and things of this nature and, and believe that you have some special connection with God. Uh, don't think that they have to be some type of uh, um, gibberish or something like that. Don't think it has to be some type of even a long, drawn-out prayer with a lot of lengthy words that you would never say in normal conversation, that you would babble on uh, that really have no meaning to you. Mm. He says when you pray, genuinely go to the Father. Genuinely go to the Father with your mm. concerns talk to him because as he tells us he knows what we need even before we ask him for it 
And right. so I think that's the implication he's giving us, that uh, don't use these special formulas, don't use this gibberish to make yourself look super spiritual, but rather use plain prayers, things that are special to you. I don't think there's anything wrong praying Scripture. I don't think there's anything wrong praying the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but but what, whatever we pray or however we pray, it needs to come from the heart rather than trying to put on a show. That's ultimately right. what he's saying. Right. Yeah, and there's no there's no right or wrong in in length. You know, when you're praying, um, you just having the connection, knowing that that you're connected. So, you know, sometimes you might have a you might have a a quick, um, you know, quick little messenger window thanks god appreciate it you mm-hmm. know and uh thank you lord you know kind of thing and then the next time you, you're you know you're you're given you know a 20 minute talk with them and and uh prayer also is not just making your request known to god mm-hmm. prayer is also listening mm-hmm. having time so. where you're where you're you may speak very little, but you're getting fed, and I think the that's important prayer. to understand. Yeah, and and I, you know, another thing that I've really, when I'm talking with people about prayer and connecting, you know, in that, one of the biggest things I try to tell them is, you know, it says in there, you know, the Father already knows what you're going to pray. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is, we don't know what we're going to pray. Mm-hmm. And so what it's doing is it's aligning our heart with his purpose and and our heart with what he's wanting in our life and what he wants out of our lives. So there may be, you may be praying and all of a sudden names just pop up in your head and you're like, well, that's random. I haven't thought of that guy in 20 years. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what that's doing. God's bringing that name up to your mind. So... Because right at that moment, you never know what that guy might be thinking, doing, walking, talking, whatever. You're praying in the in the realm of the spiritual realm and helping that person out. Absolutely. And, you know, this brings up an apologetic issue here as well. I've heard many people ask this question, or many people ask, if God already knows what you need, then why do you need to pray? You know, I've heard yeah. many people say that. Many people ask that. Well, well, the reality is, is that prayer is meant just as much for us as it's meant for anyone else. Um, mm-hmm. Prayer is our communication with with God, and as you mentioned, Curtis, and very rightfully so, prayer isn't only us talking to God; it's also actively listening to the Holy Spirit. That's been one of the things Josh McDowell said in a response video to the Ravi Zacharias uh, moral mm-hmm. fall uh, last week. It's something that is emphasized in chaplaincy, and quite honestly, honestly. Uh, McDowell emphasized it in apologetics. I think we need to emphasize it as well. I think we need to emphasize it in pastoral ministry. And quite honestly, in life itself, actively listening means that we stop and really truly listen to what the person's saying, try to understand where they're coming from and what they're saying. 
and, and the purpose behind that is is so that we don't jump to conclusions. We truly hear the concerns that they have mm. and are in the moment really listening, tuned in. Well, here's the thing I believe we need to do is something you brought up, Curtis, is we need to actively listen to the Spirit of God. We need to actively listen to God. Be caught in that moment with the divine to truly listen to what God has for us, see what He's telling us in Scripture, and really allow Him to, to uh, speak to our hearts, to where we are, and to really make an impact in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, and I'll never forget the one day I was I was praying, and I just was praying to God, and I, I said, God, give me something that that's that's going to you know say something, connect my heart to yours, you know, and I and and all day long I had prayed that just for whatever reason, just kept praying that throughout the day. Well, I'd went to a I went to Barnes and Noble to actually actually I was going to get a Bible, buy a Bible for for a, a friend of mine. Um, and, uh, I would, he had, you know, just came to faith and I was, I was excited for him. So I was like, well, I'm going to go get him a Bible that, that'll, that I can actually sign and help him and, and so on and so forth. And so I'm like, jumped out of my truck and I go walking into, start go walking into Barnes and Noble and this homeless guy comes out of nowhere, walking right by me. And God says, Give them everything that's in your pocket. Oh wow! And I was like, "Wait a minute, Lord, no!" Because the money I got in my pocket is what I was going to go pay for that Bible for. He's, and it was just—it was this heavy weight of give him everything, and then tell him I love him. And I—I I turned right to him as he was walking towards me. I just—I was like, "Okay." So I turned right to him and I said, "Hello, sir." I said, "How are you today?" And he kind of mauled some things. And I said, uh, "I was told to give you this." And I pulled out a fifty-dollar bill, and I handed it to him. And he looked at me and he's like, "Who told you?" And I said, <laughs> "God told me to give this to you and tell you that He loves you." And he just broke down, just wow. instantly broke down in tears. He says, we've been needing to get, I've been wanting to get food all day, and we haven't been able to get anybody to give us any money. He says, and they were, they were the, the Barnes and Noble, and then uh, just down the, just down the, not very far down, halfway down the block or whatever was a, was a Albertson's grocery store. And he says, my wife is actually in the, uh, at the front door of the grocery store waiting for me to show up and and I said well I said God just told me to give this to you and that he loves you and and that he's providing for you and uh he he was just broke down and he just went on his way and and he just kept turning around and and hollering thank you and waving at me and kept going and I was like well now I got to pull out my credit card to go get a Bible. <laughs> like man but uh, but it that it's those kind of things it was just that interaction of of an all day long prayer that i had just been like yeah god do something in my heart to so i connect to, to you yeah and so i was humbled but i was also joyful not because i did something like that that wasn't what the joy was from the joy was from that I actually heard from God, that I actually had a command, that I actually heard his, heard him tell me directly 
to tell this guy and to see the interaction between what I was praying all day and and the outcome into somebody else's life. Absolutely. It it, it blew me away. Absolutely. And, you know, so, that's why it speaks all the more to the importance of us actively listening to God, being in the moment, listening to the Spirit, mm. seeing what He has to tell us. Man, it's good stuff. <laughs> so can you break down the seven fundamentals of uh, prayer exhibited uh, in the Lord's model prayer? Yeah, so th- this this is a very powerful prayer, very powerful. So I'm going to use the CSB. We, we, we spoke the traditional version, but I'm going to use the CSB mm-hmm. version as we break this down. So first of all, he, he brings forth the personal aspect of the, of the prayer. Because notice he says, Our Father in Heaven. Uh, we recognize mm-hmm. he comes to the Father calling him Abba, which means something comparable to Daddy. It's a, it's a, it's a endearing term of affection. Um, for the Father, and and so, but he recognizes more importantly than that that he recognizes that there's this personal relationship between the Father and the the person praying, and so mm. the recognition rec, uh, recognition of God being our Lord, our God, our Father, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then secondly, he says, "Your name be honored as holy." Here, what he's talking about is is that we are praying, just as you did, Curtis, may God's name be glorified in us. So may God's name be honored as holy through the actions uh, that we have as believers. So what we do, what we say, uh, how we go about, that we would do things that would bring honor and glory to the name of God who is our Father. The third is the kingdom. The kingdom of God has come. Uh, praying for God's kingdom to come. You know, I, I often wonder, do we really truly pray that Christ would come? You know, we say that we do. But, but you know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, I want Christ to come, but I want to do this thing first before he comes. Well, do we really want the kingdom of God to be ushered in? Um, that's the question, and I think that's the prayer that Jesus is telling us to pray. In our prayers, pray that God's mm-hmm. kingdom would come down, would would uh, overcome the powers of darkness, and that his kingdom would be evident to all. And there's a mm-hmm. lot more we could go into uh, this, but uh, th- that's the core essence of yeah. that aspect. Kind of like a book, kind of like a book about heaven. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Which which may is on pause right now until I get the dissertation done, but hopefully it'll everything will go smoothly so that I can get back to that here soon. But then the, the next section is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now Bill Mounts, Greek scholar, he says that most every translation gets this wrong because in the Greek language, uh, what this is what this is asking is that. The, the Father's will in heaven, whatever the Father's will in heaven would be, that we're praying that he, His will would, would come about on earth using us as, as His instruments. So it's like saying, hmm. here am I, Lord, use me, as the prophets of mm-hmm. old would say. Mm-hmm. Whatever that might be, here hmm. I am, use as you have commanded on in heaven, may it be done through me, on earth, I am your willing vessel. Mm. That's a 
powerful prayer. <laughs> Again, there's a whole lot more we could go into. Uh, this is just giving just the highlights. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot to be said about the reverence and awe of a liturgical type church in mm. the prayer of this. I think there are some points of evangelicalism that miss the reverence of of this, of that particular section of the Lord's Prayer. Absolutely. You know, if, 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 just from what I see, from what I understand, it's it's... There's just a reverence that is just uh, profound um, when you're praying that in a in a liturgical type church. I agree wholeheartedly. We 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 attended a Methodist church and, and at one time, and a Methodist tend to be more liturgical than 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 most other denominations, especially Baptists. And there's a there. You're right. There's a lot of power in praying this, not just speaking the words, but praying these words. Uh, in such a fashion, contemplating and thinking about what they mean, uh, there's there's amazing impact that happens when we do that. Mm-hmm. The the next section is talking about God's provision, uh, prayers for provision. Give us today our daily bread. Asking God to provide us for not our as great glory would say, we pray for our needs, not for our greeds. <laughs> I love Greg Laurie. He's <laughs> such a riot. There's some stuff that he comes up with. It's like, man, only you would think of that. Well, yeah, he said that today. I was listening to his messages. I always do. I was listening to his messages. I go to work, and and, um, <laughs> and that's what he said. He said a lot. Of, you know, he was talk, talking about something about God gives us our needs, not our greeds. And I thought, oh man, that's good. And but this is this is this is true with this here. You know, God give us the what we need to sustain life, what we need to live our lives. And the next section is uh, the aspect on forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as uh, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Um, that is a powerful. Sometimes I don't want to forgive right away. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm the same way. And 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 especially as this is worded, forgive us the way we have forgiven others. Who do we forgive others yeah. the way God forgives us? You know that that's yeah. a whole other yeah. point. And, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Jesus sneaks that little. Jesus sneaks that little hook in the whole deal right there. <laughs> he does. It's like, man. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, do not bring us into temptation. There's a there's a prayer of protection. Do not bring us into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Evil one, or it may just be evil, however it is. Uh, d- protect us from evil itself. Protect us from temptation. Right. Um, and then <laughs> the yeah. podcast we've done, we need to pray for that, you know. Yeah. Yep. So, question on that. So let's let's visit on verse thirteen right there, just a, just a, for a second, Brian, because what you're saying, I, I want to kind of touch on because it's a prayer of protection, but apologetically, how do we decipher this verse to be able to help show that God is not leading us into temptation? 
Do you, do you see what I'm saying yeah. here? I, I was looking because at how do, how are we going to deal with that apologetically discussing that with somebody when they say, well, right here it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So is God leading us into evil? You know. Well, I was looking up at a note here I had on um, up on the screen, and um, James one thirteen tells us mm-hmm. that uh, no one undergoing a trial should say, "I am being tempted by God," since God is not tempted by evil, and He Himself doesn't tempt anyone. Uh, mm-hmm. In reality, God doesn't tempt us, but He may allow or permit His people to right. undergo temptation. Sometimes the temptation may be self-induced. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, if a person has problems with alcohol or drugs, it may be it may be that if they hang around certain people, that temptation is going to increase. Um, but the idea of uh, is uh, is do not abandon us to temptation. Do not uh, let us fall into temptation. And Paul makes some good uh, mention here in First Corinthians ten thirteen that when temptation comes, God always provides a way out. So Amen. it's it's a prayer, you know. Sometimes, some ways, it may be protecting us from ourselves. God protect us from ourselves. God protect us from temptation, because inevitably, temptation is going to come to all of us. And mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, oh boy, is that not a prayer we need in today's time mm-hmm. with all the Christian leaders who right. have fallen and everything that's happened? Um, we we right. really need to be praying this prayer. Powerful. Well, see, so and I'm. I'm Whatever reason, I'm blanking on where it's at, location, address-wise, in the Bible. But um, uh, there's a spot that t- talks about that, and I think it's in the Old Testament where God's God's saying that He's that He lays out temptations for us to test us or to test the Spirit in us, and I cannot remember where that's at. You know, I don't know, but I know if you go in the book of Job, you see that Satan was wanting to tempt Job, and God mm-hmm. permitted, now God did not tempt Job, but God permitted mm-hmm. to, as a test for Satan to do some things to Job as he did, uh, and there were very serious things that happened, um, but God knew the end result. He knew the end, end right. effect. He knew what, what was going to come to pass, and through that built a stronger faith with Job in Job. And, um, you know, I believe that his kids were most likely, I mean, I don't know what age, age ages they were, but uh, if they were, you know, before the age of accountability, I'm sure they're in heaven. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure that, um, that Job raised them to be people of faith. His wife now, I wonder about his wife because she advised him to curse God and die. Um, with a wife like that, you don't need any enemies, that's Heck. for sure. Heck of a woman. Yeah, heck of a woman, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but God may allow us to undergo certain things, but it's important to understand that God doesn't bring temptation, and with temptation, He always provides a way out. So those are two things we've got to keep in balance as we uh, consider these issues. Mm-hmm. Great question. The next question. In in this, is Jesus saying that a person forgives to be forgiven? If so, doesn't that advocate advocate for a works based salvation? Well, thankfully, that's not what he intends. That's not what he means. Right. Uh, but right. what he is saying, 
because uh, because Jesus prom- promotes the forgiveness of God throughout the pages of Scripture. I mean, John three sixteen uh, clearly advocates God doing the saving work. Uh, Jesus advocates in in many passages of Scripture. I don't have them before me right now, but but uh, the Father draws all people to Himself. That's one. Uh, so God is the one who who is doing the drawing. Um, the say the Spirit is doing the convicting, reminding people. This is the Holy Spirit thing because I was blanking there. Uh, the Spirit convicts people and you know brings them, reminds them of the teachings of Jesus. So it's all a work that God is doing. What He's saying though is, is just as God has forgiven us, so we should be willing to forgive other people. And he does talk about, in, in certain passages of Scripture, that uh, he gives a parable. If you remember the parable of this guy who was forgiven a great uh, amount of money by the king, by the ruler of the area. Right. And uh, he's he's released, he goes scot-free, and then he finds a friend of his who owes far less, still a big amount of money, but far less than what he was forgiven. And he grabs him by the throat, throws him in prison, and tells him he's not going to get out until he pays the last penny. Well, the king ha- hears about this, he, he catches wind of this story, and he goes after the guy he's forgiven and said uh, something along the lines of, you wicked servant, I have forgiven you for all of these different things. How dare you not forgive your own your own uh, neighbor for the, for the things that he's done to you? So I'm going to throw you in prison, and you're going to not get out of there until you pay the last penny. This amount in modern currency would have been millions of dollars that he owed the king. Um, so the point that Jesus is giving, when we keep this, as we mentioned before, the best interpreter of Scripture is Scripture. So comparing this to the other teachings of Jesus, what we find is is that as we have experienced God's grace, we should be compassionate, we should be, we have experienced the forgiveness of God, we should desire to forgive others even as God has forgiven us. Because by forgiving, we are clearly demonstrating the uh, transformation that we have received in Christ and through the forgiveness of God. Now, let me, as a caveat and as as a side note, let me say, this does not mean that we live our lives as as doormats. It doesn't mean that right. we have to keep putting ourselves in situations where a person is going to keep using us, abusing us. That's mm-hmm. not what Jesus is teaching. Um, He's not teaching us to do that. But ultimately, when we forgive other people, it's just as much for us as it is for them. We don't live lives of bitterness. But uh, that doesn't mean we have to keep putting ourselves in the situation where we're going to be used by that person. Right. Kind of of like um, root repair. To, to produce better fruit. So, yeah. you know, your, your forgiveness in it, and I'll be honest with you, um, Jesus doesn't directly say that we have to go to that person and say, hey, I forgive you. There may be some serious hurts between that, but you can forgive them in your heart and you can be walking a, a life of repentance towards God saying, you know, I forgive them, Lord. And, and, uh, let let the spirit do the work in that and but what that does in us is it repairs the roots mm-hmm. so then as time goes on the fruit of that uh the fruit of that work then comes out to where we've learned how to forgive quicker 
and maybe even have a chance to forgive before that person's gone out of out of our uh, out of our sight or out of our reach. And that's true. I, I think the goal, you know, if possible, would be to try to make um, to heal the relationship on a one-on-one basis, to try to bring reconciliation as best as we can. But quite honestly, as as we live in a fallen world, we realize that's not always going to be the case. That's not going to always mm-hmm. be possible. Um, a, a lady who has suffered rape or something of the sort, she may forgive her offender, but that but she may not be able, she may not feel comfortable going to the offender. She may not feel comfortable being in that person's presence. And, and I can't say that I would blame her. Uh, mm-hmm. But she's releasing it into God because she realizes, and, and this is another thing we have to understand about forgiveness. When we release it unto God, we also allow God to do the work in the person's life, because we understand that God can can impact that person far more than we can. So, for instance, there have been times in my own life where I have forgiven a person. But the person continues to be rebellious against the Lord, and there are things that ironically happened to them that were comparable to what they did to me. You know, uh, the other people did to them. With not that I was praying for that to happen, but at the same <laughs> time, is it's it's you know as the old you know the Bible doesn't teach karma, but it does teach you reap what you sow. So I think that gets blended in with that teaching. But but. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you give it over to God, God can handle things far better than we can. And it's almost mm-hmm. remarkable sometimes to just sit back and watch God as he takes care of things. But if we, we mm-hmm. harbor those in, in, those things in our lives, we're still hanging mm-hmm. on to it. If we give them over to God, mm-hmm. we're, 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 we're releasing it from ourselves and giving it to God so that he can do what he needs to do uh, to... Mm-hmm bring that person into his will and that should be our prayer anyhow to bring that person into mm. the will of god always yeah. absolutely yeah it's not always easy though no and that's that's part of the problem of living in a fallen world uh, even the even the, the the best of tactics sometimes fall apart because of uh, this world's kind of messy hmm. so matthew 6 Uh, 16 through 18. So whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Yeah, so Jesus is talking about fasting here. What is the purpose of fasting, and why should it be done in secret? Well, fasting is a, is a practice where we're sacrificing something to put our focus and attention on God. Mm-hmm. And so it may, a lot of times, there's a food fast that people will do. And I mean, this could be a podcast in and of itself. I mean, there's there's a food fast, there's a juice, there's a there's a uh, solid food fast where people won't eat, but they'll drink juices and things of this nature. There there are certain fasts where people will abstain from certain foods. A lot of times in the Lenten season, people will do that. Well, they'll abstain from something they really enjoy, um, and then um, there are. Um, 
you know, there, 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 are, there are even like technology fasts where people will fast from Facebook or something like that or some something that's drawing their time away. And Which so, it wouldn't be a bad idea for many. It, it wouldn't be a bad idea at all, quite <laughs> honestly. <laughs> it really wouldn't. But Jesus is saying, for a while. yeah. <laughs> Jesus is saying, whenever you do fast, you know, don't go out and broadcast it around. Don't go out and uh, make yourself if you if you're fasting. Don't make yourself look like uh, you are just uh, you know just been playing in a in a fireplace with ashes all over yourself, making look yourself look horrible. Mm-hmm. Clean yourself up. Don't let anybody even know that you're fasting because you realize that. God knows, the Father knows, uh, and He's going to reward you in the end. And so your Father who sees in secret, this this is the same similar pattern we see with the other teachings, the Father who sees in secret will reward you. Right. So it's so there again, it's back to a heart issue. And so what was what was Jesus getting at his or during his time during the time that was out there that the teaching was out there because remember we were talking about how the things he was teaching on he was using things that people could see or people had done or people knew of that at that time to actually teach the principles so they could grasp those principles so what was it what was going on that he was pointing out here there were many religious leaders who would go in the temple complex or who would go in their communities and they would um they would they would put on a show I mean, they would go out mm. trying to be super spiritual they would uh, if they fasted they would they would uh, make themselves look horrible uh you know if they, all of these things they did publicly and they did for a show Jesus is warning our spiritual lives are not to be done for a show to get the approval of other people. They're to be done for the glory and honor of God. So here again, you can't serve both God and the world. Hmm. But yeah, he's yeah, pointing to the religious leaders. That, that's that's the main focus of his teaching. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because a lot of the religious leaders at that time, he was using as... Um, his backdrop of don't be like that yeah be like this you know and he was always he would be pointing out the ones that would not be the obvious mm-hmm. so like when he was talking about um, be like don't be like the pharisee that goes and prays and and uh, and and points out that he's not like anybody else be like the tax collector that's beating his chest saying God forgive me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's interesting to see see how he's using these um, these pictures and these things that are going on um, around him um, as as he's teaching. So it's not quite parable, but it's there are uh, things that he's using that are in the culture that that uh, were being quite obvious. So, Brian, we have a long ways to go yet, and there's absolutely no way we're going to finish this, yeah, game, I, you know, you, this you, podcast. You, you read my mind because I was over here looking at the time, and I thought, oh, boy, we got a bunch. And the, and the following section is a section, I think, yeah. that, that we really yeah. need to focus in heavy on because it's going to talk about worrying, and I know a lot of people are anxious. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. out there who are just uh, crippled 
by anxiety and fear. And so I think it might do us well to maybe postpone the last half of this for the next podcast. I agree. And I think, I think we'll be, uh, we'll let the readers or listeners, uh, maybe read, read into this and read Matthew six, uh, uh, 19 through 34 and kind of dwell on that for the week and then when we come back and we touch on it maybe we might be able to stir up some more of their own ideas and stuff i know for me um this is getting to the section here where there's a lot of stuff that um eats at the heart of who we are and who god is absolutely deeply theological material and quite honestly, yeah. this study has brought out that fact even more so than any time I've ever looked at this, how deeply theological Jesus' teachings are at this juncture, especially yeah. our relationship with God. Yeah. In relationship as in positioning of who we are, who He is, and how much He wants us to this right not in a workspace type setup but a, but get our relationship right so he's able to communicate and work through us as we work through our normal life and interact with the people that are around us absolutely and i think if you look through from genesis all the way to revelation it's honestly all about relationship the divine human relationship that god uh established in the garden of eden was broken at the fall you know was in this in a settled on the cross and through an empty tomb and um will be demonstrated in ultimately through the new heaven and the new earth with resurrected Mm. bodies powerful well we will uh, we'll check back in on this, and we'll uh, we'll catch back around on this one here, um, and catch those uh, last few points there. So we thank you for listening. Uh, but we here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayer is that this podcast helps stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and as a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie Podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, So So you're on, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under Creative Commons Copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. This is Brian Chilton and this is your Night Sky Report for March 2021. There wasn't a lot to report in the month of February, so we didn't have a night sky report for that month. 
However, for March, we have noted that uh, Jupiter, Saturn, and Venus are all in the morning sky, which can be found in the uh, just right before sunrise in the eastern skies. But they sit low, so you have to have a good, clear view to be able to see them. For the month of March, uh, two stars really take center stage, two of the brightest stars in the sky. These are called the dog stars, which are Sirius and Procyon. Be sure to get a good astronomical map and to be able to find these two stars. Quite frankly, you'll be able to see them with the unaided eye. Saturday, March 20th, marks the spring equinox which is the first day of spring. So uh, this will be a time where all the uh, March equinox or northward equinox is the equinox of the Earth when the subsolar point appears to leave the southern hemisphere and cross the celestial equator heading north as seen from Earth. The March equinox is known as the vernal equinox in the northern, northern hemisphere and the autumnal equinox in the southern. So oddly, as uh, for those, those of us in the northern hemisphere uh, will be celebrating the arrival of spring, our friends in the southern hemisphere will be celebrating the dawn of autumn. Uh, so this is your report for the month of March. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on this month, uh, but just, just keep you updated. One of the big news that we have going on as far as uh, Star Watchers go is the landing of the NASA rover Perseverance. Be sure to check nasa.gov for some startling images of the red planet's soil. It's very fascinating if you haven't seen it already. So for the Bellator Christie Podcast, this is Brian Chilton with your Night Sky Report, reminding you to keep looking up. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith, but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristie.com and the Bellator Christie Podcast.